That's our new intro music for Gamer Noobs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm glad you agree. Welcome back to Gamer Noob with our second post-Gen Con update. I am Zach. And I'm Caitlin. And we have a list of games to talk about that we played on Friday. Yeah, so first up was one I did not play, which was Stuffed Fables. Uh, yeah, I played that one. It was really fun. It's by Plat Hat Games, and it is... In a lot of ways, the spiritual successor to Mice and Mystics, it had a very, by the same company, and it had that very dungeon crawl feel, but it also felt more refined and more fun. But in this game, you are tasked with, or you are stuffed animals that are tasked with protecting a little girl who is your owner from all the things that go bump in the night. And it's like the whole campaign, which we only played the first several rounds of the first mission, is about like the transitions and things that are scaring her that she has to deal with and like learning how to grow up. So like the first one, the setting is it's her first night in a big girl bed and you have to protect her from all the monsters that come out from under the bed, which is really cool. I was a teddy bear with one arm. I did not do much, (laughs) but I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Um... They have a cool dice mechanic where, like, different colored dice does different things. But, you know, I can go into all of that, but I don't remember what any color does. Except for yellow was searching, which we did not have to do. <laughs> Blue was movement and red was attack. Which was really cool, though. Also, they, like, changed the colors. Like, the colors did not correlate to what you think. Like, the red die looked orange, but they changed the shade of it so that it was more orange. So it was more accessible to colorblind people, which I thought was really cool. Nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game, but we didn't get it. There wasn't a ton to talk about with it, you know. Mm-hmm. We have Mice and Mystics, so. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it better than Mice and Mystics, I think. But those are my feelings on Stuff Fables. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to buy it for me, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> um, let's see. Next we have Nyctophobia. Wait, wait. What were you doing during Stuff Fables? What was I doing? Oh, I went to the Writing Excuses uh, panel. Um, Writing Excuses is a podcast that goes over like the theory and craft of writing and i'm not a writer but i like reading and so (laughs) wow (laughs) well for me what a pitch (laughs) listening to the podcast is it's like a backstage sort of thing to reading in a way because you're learning about you're like oh i feel this way and i react this way when i read things like how do people actually do that mechanically um so that's why i like the podcast um but the guests they had were um daniel abraham and ty frank uh the two of them write together um as james s.a Corey, um and they do the expanse series so that was fun to hear them as well and so i went to that while they played stuff fables (laughs) yeah and the expanse is like your favorite book ever it not is, my favorite book ever. It's a really good series, though. You should check it out. <laughs> I <Anyway>. mean, <laughs> I don't think you've ever recommended any other book to me where you're like, stop what you're doing right now and read this book, <laughs> which I then proceeded to wait six months to read. I was pretty excited about it when I read it. The first one, Leviathan Wakes. But anyway, that's what I was doing while they played Stuff Fables, um, and it was enjoyable. So then we met up after that and played Nyctophobia, which is also about things that go bump in the night, but it's a little more... Uh, Frightful. Yeah, serious, shall we say. Um, we talked about this in our pre-Gen Con thing. For everyone that's listened to that, great fun. Go listen to it. This is better. Um, and the point of it is four of you are on a team and are have sunglasses, which block out all vision. 
as you try to feel your way through a forest, which is not the board, and escape a serial killer. Serial killer? Axe yeah. murder? Axe murderer. Axe murderer. Um, the other person has their sight and is the axe murderer and plays different cards to try to hunt you down and kill at least one of you. And it was all right. Yeah, Zach was the axe murderer. Yeah, um, and it was, I enjoyed it, but it's it's this weird thing where like since they're blind, you have to like, like it feels almost like feeding a baby where it's like they'll stick their hand out and then you put them on the board and you like they'll ask you questions like oh is this trees can i feel over here and like and you're like no those are trees you have to stop moving or no you're good you can keep feeling but in this it just feels weird because i'm like i'm trying to beat you yet i have to describe the majority of this game to you right you have to help us take our turns but you're also actively working against us like during your turn right and i can separate those two things but it's a very weird feel to have like i couldn't delight in like you guys freaking out at all because i'm like i have to like feed you or like lead you to your piece every round (laughs) so just at a certain point it feels mean right (laughs) like we're dependent (laughs) on you to play this game and then your job is still to screw us over right i didn't think about that dynamic of it but right it was it was very it was very uncomfortable a lot of it it's also very difficult because there's like no clarifying the people instructing were did not clarify all the rules super great for me so i was a little confused with some things so i played a few things wrong that was a theme through a lot of this gen con i feel like we had multiple occasions where our ex the people explaining either like didn't know the game very well or just didn't go into enough relevant detail and there there are multiple occasions where i think the experience would have been better if the explanation had been better um but I would say Nyctophobia's novel. It was fun to play. You have to be good at communicating. The one thing that was not difficult, but sort of, I think, worked against the feel of the game was one of your actions that you can take as a like person being hunted is to hide. And so what that means is that the axe murderer can't, he's going to move towards the closest person automatically unless you're hidden and and then he will move to like the next closest person but while you're hidden you're not allowed to talk and if you talk then you become unhidden which is cool in theory until you get to the point where like three or four of you out of four are hidden and then all communication ceases (laughs) and it kind of takes the co-op nature of the game out of it and it just becomes a thing where you sit in silence waiting for your turn to come when you can talk again. Yeah, and I I, I think it does a very good job of making you feel lost alone in the woods. However, that's not a game I want to play. Yeah, like it's fun to try to work together to escape. Right. And not being able to talk kind of undercuts that enjoyable aspect that they were going for, like with being um, unable to see. Yeah, and like the the thing that I like the the best part of the game for me was when like you guys could talk and things started like unraveling for you. When a guy's like, "Okay, we're safe," and then like my next turn, I like jump over or, or I I throw axes over trees and hit two of you guys, and then they just started flipping out. They're like, "Oh no, he's here!" But there's trees there. How can he hit us? Oh no, we're freaking out. The axe murder's right next to us, and we can't get away. Yeah, so it was it was fun. There was one time where so some of the axe murderer's cards are like he can either they'll tell him to either lie or tell the truth, and we don't know which 
is which, like what his card has told him to do. So at one point he said something like, oh, Caitlin, you're miles away from the car. You're all trying to get to this car to escape. And I was like fairly positive that it was like, oh, the car is probably really close to me. Zach is trying to throw me off or whatever. And then when one of our players found the car, it was like, oh, no, Caitlin really is miles away from this car. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised that I was I felt like I was really able to picture the board like based on like where everybody was generally and where they had been based on everybody's descriptions. So that was like satisfying as far as the play experience. You guys did find the car, but I did kill one of the people we played with. And so I won. Yeah. But overall, yeah, like that. It was a fun experience. I wouldn't necessarily go out and buy it or play it again, really. Yeah, but good to try. Um, next up is Grim Forest, which we demoed. A game that I found wholeheartedly charming <laughs> and Caitlin found wholeheartedly mediocre, right? Yeah, I just it was something that Zach was considering buying and I was just really on the fence about it. So the, the premise of this one is it, it takes it's heavily inspired by Grimm's fairy tales. And you are one of the now four little pigs and you are building houses. So you go to the market, you can get straw, wood, or brick, or you can get one of each. And there's mechanics with that. And then you come back and you can build your house. You can gather friends by building houses, which are different other fairy tale characters. Like I had the Little Mermaid who like allowed me to... I got to harvest more when I went alone somewhere but I had to give up two of my harvest cards so I could only ever go to two locations. So it's like I could only get brick or go to the market, but I also got an extra brick every time I went there alone. Yeah, and so it brings in a lot of um, fairy tale characters if that's something you're into. They have a lot of um, nice references. Like it's it's cool to be like, oh, Aladdin's my friend now, you know. Yeah, well, it's also really cool because like there's monster cards in the deck. So like the monsters we saw, we only saw one type of monster, but it was the wolf. When I'm like, this is super cool because... The wolf is who blows down the houses, you know? And it was, like, very well th- thought out, in my opinion. And I really thought it was, like, a charming, cute little game. Yeah, thematically, I thought it was really good. I just, from the demo, I was not convinced that if you didn't, like, start out strong, eh, you would not be able to catch up. Um, to be fair, we played two, we, like, we played a third of the game, and we don't know how end scoring works. Yeah, I just didn't get the sense that, like, if you were fighting somebody else for a resource, you would ever be able to compete with somebody who, like, didn't do that for a couple turns. So I just wasn't, I was on the fence enough that I didn't want to get it. Um, Yeah. But all the, like, the theming and everything was really nice. Yeah, I thought it was charming. I I wanted it. But if you're, you're quickly noticing, this is the day where... We didn't get anything. We thought about a lot, but it was kind of... There was a stipulation on basically every game we got where it's like, eh, I don't really want this. Like, as we talked, Stuff Fables, well, like, we have a game similar, and it's a little pricey. Grim Forest, Caitlin wasn't sold on. Nyctophobia was just had some problems. Yeah, so that one was uh, Grim Forest. I think probably your favorite game of the day, maybe? Um, let's see what else we played. It was up uh, there. I really liked Orient Express, too. Yeah, that's what I figured. I, I, I did really like it. I was on the fence of buying that one. But then on Saturday, I found a lot more things that I really loved. So yeah. it kind of fell by the wayside. Um, next, we played two shorter games by the same company. Um, Fireworks was the first. Which was... It's up there with Coimbra with maybe being the worst game we played. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's a simple little game. It is simple in idea. It is... 
impossibly difficult to do anything. Um, it's by the same people who made Lanterns, so we were kind of hoping it would be as great as Lanterns. Which, if you haven't played Lanterns, go do it now. It is amazing. I love that game. Yeah, Lanterns is really beautiful and it's like elegant. This, it's like a... It's like a it's a Carcassonne-esque game where you're like placing lanterns to make a really cool fire or like lantern display for the emperor and you score points by like placing lanterns in different arrangements and it's really cool and very pretty, very well done. The mechanic works very well. Just overall, lanterns is enjoyable. Fireworks, on the other hand, you are, is like kind of going for the same thing. You're creating a fireworks display and you get points. There's, you have little hexagonal pieces that have different partial um, fireworks, firework designs on them. And so you're gaining those each turn and then trying to arrange them on your board in the way that will score you the most points. But like when you play something down, it's not fixed. You can always like shift things around, which, which is weird. Which takes like a lot of the strategy out of the game. Like there's no point to a lot of the game then, in my opinion. It's just kind of like put together a puzzle with random draws but the way that you get pieces is by throwing this die die into this sort of bowl shaped box where all the pieces are and so you're supposed to like throw it and then it will hit the pieces that are face down and cause them to flip up and that's like your draw basically which is an interesting mechanic rough to demo at Gen Con on a tiny little table where if you throw it too hard, things will scatter everywhere. In the middle of a convention hall. In the middle of a convention hall, like next to the walkway. And if you don't throw it hard enough, you just won't get anything. (laughs) Well, and even if you throw it hard sometimes, like nothing will flip and you're like, okay, I wasted a turn. Right. And with always being able to rearrange things, it's like, why are we doing this weird mechanic? Why don't we just roll a dice and deal that many tokens to each person? Until we run out of tokens. Yeah, like I liked the mechanic because it's cool. It's like simulating an explosion for fireworks. It just didn't execute quite as smoothly as we wanted it to, I think. I don't know. I didn't really care for the mechanic. It felt more gimmicky than anything else. Like, Yeah, I, I can see that. It, it kind of felt I like... I can see huh? what they were going for. It just didn't quite make it for us, I think. Yeah, well, another thing that like kind of bothers me is like randomly like... They're like, we were introduced to the game. It's like, cats can make fireworks displays. And I'm like, what? And that was all the things like they had to talk about cats with. Like, the premise is like, we are sentient cats <laughs> or intelligent sentient cats who are trying to put on the best fireworks display. And I'm like, okay, where is this cat thing going? Nothing has to do with cats at all. Not even a fight. There wasn't even like a cat firework. Yeah, there is. I think there's a special one that's a cat face. Okay, so one, uh, but there was also like <laughs> every other normal fire firework you ever see. Yeah. Anyway, I had forgotten about the cat part. <laughs> it was yeah. clearly not important to the game. It was just weird and I didn't like it. Uh, yeah. So that was fireworks. Um, the next one that we played like right next door was Tea Dragon Society. Which was by far the cutest art I have seen at all <laughs> of Gen Con. It was very adorable. Um, and that includes Root. Which is amazingly cute, too. Yeah, you have these... You're each a little dragon, and you're having a tea party? I think what it is is... It's a deck-building game. I think the concept is is that you're, like, meeting with all your dragon friends and, like, reminisce, like, for a tea party, like, as an adult, like, you're getting tea, but you're, like, reminiscing about, like, your childhood and stuff because you all kind of grew up together 
then that's why like on your cards like there are baby dragons so like it's you as a baby and like you have to like play different deck building cards the unique mechanic is you every turn you either you can you draw a card and if you draw you immediately play it and it just stays in front of you until you use it the downside is they also had to include the standard weaknesses to deck building you know so like in dc deck building they're just weaknesses and legendary their wounds etc etc and what this does is it makes you it forcibly discards cards that you've played and this wouldn't be a problem if you drew more than one card a turn but a lot of times like we'd get up to like three points for like three points okay it's like i need to draw one more and then i can buy something decent and then you draw it and it's like discard two cards and you're like well now i'm just back to where i was and then you have to shuffle that all back in because like there's a weird like whenever something happens you shuffle your deck in so it's like sometimes you just get in a chain of like getting up to three points hitting a bad card dropping to zero or one trying to get back up to three points for the next 15 minutes yeah it was kind of it felt like you stagnated a lot and we did not get very far and it was like we were demoing it but it felt like you should be getting somewhere a little faster there was just a lot of turns where it's like oh i can't do anything Oh, I can't do anything. Oh, I got to draw a card and do this, and I still can't do anything. <laughs> so well, that was my issue with it. There's also the annoying thing where it's like you don't get to buy right away, which I guess is fine, but it's like you play a card and you're like, I want to grab this. And it's like, no, you can't. You got to wait till your next turn. And you're like, but why? No one else can do anything. <laughs> yeah, there was. it was like artificially slowing you down and sometimes. Right. And like, I wanted it to be good. It was a unique mechanic that I really liked. Up until the point where they, like, kneecapped it. Yeah. But adorable dragons. <laughs> they were the cutest. You don't understand. They were... The, go look them up. They are adorable. I love them so much. <laughs> Tweet us your favorite adorable dragon from that game. <laughs> or from anything. I'm always for seeing cute dragons. Yeah. If Zach just gets a bunch of cute dragons on his Twitter, I think he'll be a very, very happy Yeah, and person. I manage the Twitter, so if people start tweeting stuff at me, I will see it. <laughs> also, like... If you don't want to send cute dragons, if you just want to send other dragons, all for that. Dragons <laughs> always just make my day better. <laughs> um, the next one we did was Bemused, which we were not... That we just like stumbled upon. Well, we went to go see some... For Christmas, my parents got my sister a game called Zimbi Mojo, which is a weird little game that's for one to eight players where you are all cannibals trying to kill the cannibal king and become the cannibal king yourself. And the rule book for that is... Um, atrocious i was gonna say turbulent or what's the word i'm looking for i don't know it is not great and i understand what they're trying to go for with the rule book but it was one of those things where it's like we're gonna explain movement to move you do this now here's 15 exceptions and you're like i don't even know what i'm how i win this game yet and you've just explained how i move run sprint how a zombie moves but i don't even know what a zombie is and then how the king moves and yeah it's just not great so we went and talked to that guy and he explained the, the rules. creator yeah who was there who could explain the rules <laughs> and he was very nice and the game is actually pretty decent though you need quite a few people to make it better we played with three and it was all right but there are some glaring issues like i feel like it's a game that would really thrive if you had like six to eight like if it was eight i feel like it would be a hoot because everything would just be off the walls cattywampus everything but anyway i digress that game's all right Check it out if you like if the premise sounds interesting and have like six people that play in your game group regularly. But at that place, they had like a new game called Bemused, which was this very cool, I would say, hidden role game. So hidden role games were like Coup or 
Masquerade or Dracula's Feast, which we'll probably talk about here as well. I think that's next. I think that's Saturday. Uh, yeah, we played that on Saturday. So that's next episode. But like those type of games where it's like the whole point of the game is trying to figure out who's who and get points. And the premise of this one was you were all like muses to these artists and you every so often you come to earth and you pick you inspire someone and they're like they're going to be the great artist of this generation however by some scheduling there you all decided to come to earth at the same time and inspire someone but you want your artist to be known as the best so your goal is to have your artists or you like put doubt on other artists so that they either like go insane or if you put it like or you can put dread on them and they might kill themselves it's a little morbid in that respect. Yeah, well, the whole point is just trying to make them insecure about their art. However, being insane or dead does not mean you lose. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I think I won. Did you win that one? No. No, Randy, Zoe did? One of your sisters did. It. One of my oh. sisters did. Yeah. And they were dead. They were very dead. <laughs> I died very quickly because Caitlin decided to murder me. I was the... Yeah, sorry about that. I think I was the painter. I don't remember. It was a really fun game. I liked the mechanic. It goes pretty quick. Uh, the problem I have with it is like hidden roll games are kind of hit or miss for me. And I thought it it brought a breath of life into hidden mechanic or hidden roll games, but it wasn't enough of a breath of life into it to make me really want it. Mm-hmm. Like it was interesting though. It was a fun. It was a fun quick game. Yeah, like I enjoyed it, but I thought I think Coup and Dracula's Feast are both better games. Yeah, but we went in with zero expectations and had a good time. Yeah, I was so. pleasantly surprised. Had and it was also a little pricey for what it was. Like, the components were very nice. Like, everything was, like, the thick cardboard. So, like, it's, like, lasting and you have a secret objective, which also, like, sh- like you have a secret objective and then you get a random person who is your your partner or something like that. Where it's, like, you ca- like your secret objective relates to that person. And if you reveal your person, you add, a, like, a dread to yourself. But then you can use their special power as well as your own. And it's really cool. But at the end of the day, I was just kind of... I wasn't impressed enough to want to be like, I need this game for 30 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. After that, we wandered over and played... Raids. Raids, yes. We played Raids, which was is by Yellow, which... Hmm, how do I put this nicely? It felt like a not-as-great form of Takedo. Did you play that one as well? Or no? I did not. I just watched... It's like Takedo if you added fighting mechanics into it. So the main mechanic is you're moving along specific stops on a route. And in this one, you're like Viking ships, basically. Um, So there's monsters to fight and things to pick up that get you points. And the main thing is like in Takedo, if you move like three spaces ahead of where you are, um, then the the last person is always the one going for like going next and so if you move like three spaces ahead of the last person they can do like one space ahead two space ahead and then you know pass you or whatever right and that like is cool because it makes it forces you to think about what you want if i really need money in takedo and that's three spaces ahead i'm like well do i want to risk it and move one space and hopefully like caitlin wouldn't take the money and just go right in front of me or do I move that three spaces ahead and let her hit everything along the road? Right, and, so you're balancing. Right, and it's a very interesting puzzle of a game. And it's very pretty and quaint. And it's very it, and the premise is just unique, in my opinion. You're on vacation in feudal Japan, which did never really happen. But that's beside the point. Like You're trying to have the most experiences in your trip. 
and it felt like very fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy the imagery of travel, like walking across Japan, though I've never done that. <laughs> and I thought it was great. And then raids, what it does is it gets rid of that cherry picking. You so you if if I go jump three spaces ahead, you can't do that. You can't hit every space in between. You have to come up to where I am, at least. And then the other thing is, you can fight over spaces. So if you are, you have to be the last person on a space to claim its reward. So I can say I want to improve my sales and go there, and then Kay then can show up and fight me for it. And then if I repel her, my sister could come up and fight me for it. And it's like, at a certain point, I'm going to run out of guys and I'll get kicked off the square that I really wanted. Right. So it's like compensating for going first in that people can always like come up behind you and take your stuff. Um, But then it's just kind of like the strategy becomes like playing as little of the game as possible in some ways. Like there's nothing to stop you from just jumping way ahead just to do that and avoid people so i think in terms of execution it was a little lackluster in that regard yeah and it's just like uh and like or like there was a point in the game we played where like three of us didn't want anything at the end so we all just jumped to the end and the person last is like i wanted like half that stuff but they had to jump to the end Mm -hmm. because they were like because they can't cherry pick and it just it felt all right i was sad that it wasn't better yeah the other one you played was Monsters vs. Heroes. Which was actually really good. I was I almost bought this one. Except I just didn't need the type of game that it was. So it is a it is a card game where that comes with two decks and you can play with if you play with four, one to or two to four people, you use one deck, and if you play with five to eight, you use two you mix the decks together. And what it is, is you will be drawing cards and playing them down and you are given a secret objective, either your monsters or heroes. And then, so if you're heroes, you want to play hero cards and then they give you points at the end and monster cards give you negative points. And if you're monsters, it's vice versa. And each card has a special effect when you play it, which is really cool. And the theming was really good. It had, it was Victorian Nightmares is volume one of it. And I think they're doing more. And that was London After Midnight, which is gothic not gothic what is it like frankenstein dracula very standard european horror monsters i guess i would say that was gothic is it gothic anyway that's besides the point so like you, there's your frankenstein there's dr jekyll mr hyde which we did not play because the other option that you the other deck that they had was sherlock in hell which sounds way more interesting <laughs> objectively more interesting <laughs> well like london like it was marketed as london after midnight or sherlock in hell and i'm like I know what's London after midnight and I'm a little disappointed. We didn't play another game and get to see them because there's different cards and they do different things. But Sherlock in hell was very interesting when you have Bahamut, a fire demon who like, get, like draws all these imps to him. And then you have Sherlock Holmes just kind of chilling out. <laughs> um, overall, I really enjoyed it. It was a really good game. It's especially for the price. It's like $15. It's a cute game for $15 and I would pay about $15 for it. Hmm. And it holds a lot of people. It holds up to eight people. Yeah, for one deck, and they're coming out with more decks, so you can mix and match any of them, they said. So it looks like it's going to be a a really good game, especially when you get more choice in what you want to do. I would recommend it. I would play it again. Yeah. And then the other one I played by that company, which is Ares Games, um, was Wanted Richard Dead, which was a cowboy western shootout where the goal was to get as much money as possible before the end of the game. And... So you like have a hand of cards of the locations and you can you play one of those cards down 
and that's where you go. But if you go to the same location as someone, you have a shootout. And the cards, your location cards, are the same cards you use for fighting. So if I play the general store and Caitlin played the general store, we'd both go there. And then we have to use the other locations like the bank or the saloon as fight cards on how many, how much damage we're going to do. So it's this really cool mechanic where it's like, well, by fu- if you go to the same place as someone, you don't, you have to win to get the reward there now, but you're also burning through other cards and you only get to pick up your hand when you run out of cards. So when you play your sixth card, you pick up your other five cards. So it's this really thing where it, where I, the way I played is like I'm like okay I'm I don't care about shootouts I'm gonna burn through cards as quickly as I can, so I can just keep winning shootouts and then I'll just pick up everything and they'll be like, hold up where are you going? <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else more nuanced to it. It was a cute little game. It was a little pricey for what it was. You know like I would pay. That's a game that I'm like this is a fun twenty five dollar game and it was forty and I'm like mm, that's a little steep mm-hmm. for the amount of enjoyment I had. But it wasn't bad by any stretch. It was just. The price is what deterred me on that one. Um, the next one that we did is was probably my favorite game on Friday. It was Orient Express. So yeah, we went. That was by Rio Grande, right? Yep. So Rio Grande has this really cool thing where they have most, if not, or not most, they have a lot of their new games and popular games upstairs, free to play for anyone who wants to try them. And we went up there because we wanted to sit because we'd been standing and demoing in the exhibit hall all day, basically. And so we're like, okay, let's sit down and play a game like before we head out. And we've bought a game from that air because of that area every year. Yeah, they can be kind of hit or miss, but um, yeah, we found some really good games there. We tried out Power Grid a different year. Um, And this one was one that was like definitely a hit. It was you're placing... It see like on its face, it seems very ticket to ride esque. You're trying to place train routes and claim place trains, claim routes, um, but it gets rid of all of the like waiting around that you have in ticket to ride, where you're just drawing up cards to like get yourself set up for placing down your trains so that you can play your route. And instead, it's just like you could just play down trains like essentially every turn and the strategy comes in where you have certain routes that will stay in place when you complete them and certain ones that will you'll take up the track back into your hand like back into your supply once you complete them right so the easier routes to complete which offer you a similar or there's so there's regional routes which are like all in the same area so there's like france there's germany there's iberia where it's like so it's very close in it and they offer you a good amount of points it's not like nothing but those whenever you do them you have to take all your track back or you can go for passenger routes which connect different areas so you might have london munich and barcelona and those will stay out and play but it also takes you like four times as long to do them so you're you have both of them in your in your hand at all times so you're trying to weigh if these things require some of the same cities, but I need to finish this first because this other one will require me to take all that track back and then I wouldn't be able to complete this other one. So you're kind of trying to balance those things. So doing everything in the same area can be advantageous, but can also be disadvantageous because some of them are going to require you to take them back. So you can't do that. You have to plan when you're doing things more so. And that one was really, really fun. And we we did not did not go in with high expectations for that one either, and 
it was very very enjoyable for honestly, all of us. Honestly, I thought it was going to be the worst game that we played, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like we sat down, and th- this is my biggest complaint about the Orient Express is it is not a pretty game. It is very ugly. You know, like it's. I didn't think it was that ugly. It's a map of Europe, and then turned white, and they put a triangle triangular grid over it with some cities with colored names. I was just not impressed. Mm-hmm. We also came from games like Monsters vs. Heroes and a yellow game, which for as much as I didn't like raids, the art direction on it was great. You know, we had we played Dragon Tea Party earlier that day where the cute little dragons were adorable. Mm-hmm. Like, they were cute enough that my sister almost bought the game. She's like, I really don't like the game that much, but the dragons are so cute. <laughs> right, so this one, did, the art wasn't something to write home about. Right, but the which, game itself was fun. Yeah, the game was really good. I enjoyed it. I got stomped in it. But I enjoyed it. Um, and then we played one more game on our way out um, called Medium, which is um, not out yet, right? It's- yep, you can get print and play from the site. It's the guy, we talked to the designer of it, and his goal is to, he's in talks with Greater Than Games to have it published soon. So he was just in the Greater Than Games room, like demoing it for people. And he, he was awesome. He is just so passionate and excited about his game. It like really, it was infectious at was really fun to have him demoing it for us. Um, so the premise is you're in pairs. Is it only four people? I think you could probably do more. You just have to have an even number. Right. And um, I was paired up with Vinny. <laughs> so you each have a hand of like five cards and they have nouns and adjectives on them. And you, one of you will play a card and then your partner will play a noun or adjective card from their hand. And then you'll count down three, two, one, and then you both have to try to say the same word based on the two cards you put down. And so if you do that, you get a certain number of points. If you don't do that, you... You, you take the, the two words you said. So let, let's say that, like, uh, an example is hard. Oh, one of us played, like, one, one time it was, like, state and whiskey... And one of us said Tennessee, one of us said Kentucky. Kentucky. So now we, with Tennessee and Kentucky, we have to think of those words and come, like, pick a word in common again. Right. And if you don't do that, then you have to take the word, the different words that you both said and try to do that again and land on the same word. And honestly, it gets harder the longer you go because you're saying words that are so close together that it's like... I don't I don't know how to bridge this gap. And you can't repeat words. So I can't like I can't be like Kaylin can't say Ray and I say gun and then we go Ray gun. Right. Like both of those words are eliminated as well as any words we've said previously. Mm-hmm. So it made it hard for like the state one when we went like when we played state and then whiskey and we said different states. Well, now we we have Kentucky and Tennessee. What's the main thing they have in common? They're both states. Right. So that was really fun and really satisfying when you actually managed to say the same thing as your partner and you felt like you were just on the same wavelength, which is the point of the game. And so it really succeeds at that. And we got a free print and play um, for demoing it there, which was pretty cool. Yeah. He said on his site he has them, but I also don't know. Uh, it has it on Board Game Geek. It just doesn't have it. Oh yeah, if you go on Board Game Geek, there's a sampler pack that you can do, which is really cool. I would give it a try. Like I had a great time. It's it. Uh, Vinny, who didn't buy anything, well, he bought he bought a Guild Ball team, which is something else entirely. Other than that, though, he didn't buy anything at Gen Con, and he was like, I really wanted to pick up Medium, but they're not selling it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that was a, a nice, uh, fun thing to end our Friday on. And then we went home and played Root, <laughs> which is amazing. I just love Root. We should talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> Maybe we will. <laughs> I mean, Root's just amazing. It's such a good game. Anyway, uh, until next time, keep wondering. Play Root. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.